Today's scripture reading is taken from two different passages in Genesis. The first is Genesis chapter 28, verses 10 to 19. Jacob's dream at Bethel. Jacob left Beersheba and went towards Haran. He came to a certain place and stayed there for the night, because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place. And he dreamed that there was a ladder set up on the earth, the top of it reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And the Lord stood beside him and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring, and your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south, and all the families of the earth shall be blessed in you and in your offspring. Know that I am with you, and I will keep you wherever you go, and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid, and he said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. So Jacob rose early in the morning, and he took the stone that he had put under his head, and he set it up for a pillar, and poured oil on top of it. He called that place Bethel. The second reading today is taken from Genesis chapter 32, and I'll be reading verses 22 to 30. Jacob wrestles with God. The same night he got up and took his two wives, his two maids, and his eleven children and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream, and likewise everything that he had. Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he struck him on the hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, Let me go, for the day is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then the man said, You shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with humans, and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, Please tell me your name. But he said, Why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life is preserved. We welcome you today to Weston Park Baptist Church once again here on a sunny day in Toronto. Hope from where you are it's also a pleasant day. Getting into the month of May, spring is well upon us, trees are coming out, so it's uh, flowers, it's, it's a good time of the year. We hope and trust that uh, during this time you are sensing God's presence with you and encouragement from the Spirit of God that he is with us even though we are separated. So today we continue our theme of God is a God who comes towards us. And we've 
been thinking of a variety of characters that are pretty well known, obviously Adam and Eve in the garden, Abraham, Genesis 12, uh, Moses, and Elijah, all well-known characters, and we recognize that God comes towards us and towards them. But it may be in your mind that, well, all of those individuals are pretty well known, and Sure, God comes towards them, but what about us? And so today we consider a character, Jacob, who is known as the trickster or the deceiver uh, in Genesis 28 and Genesis 32. And so I think this is a good story because it reminds us that God not only comes to these well-known people who are friends of God, but also to someone who at this point in time isn't a follower of Yahweh. His grandfather, Abraham, was, Isaac, his father was, but he himself has made no commitment uh, to the Lord at this point. And uh, nevertheless, as we read these stories, we see that God indeed does come towards him in, 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 in real and definite ways. So it's a good reminder to us that even when things aren't going all that great in our lives and we make decisions that are not really terrific, we, we, we make poor choices, that God is a God who comes towards us. He knows we are frail. He knows that we are um, people who are dust, as the scripture says, and, and, and yet he comes and he values us and he knows our names and he's interested in us, whether we're making good decisions all the time or not. Of course, that's not an excuse to just mess around or whatever, but it's a reminder that God is there for us and for your loved ones or perhaps kids or family that you you are concerned that they might know God more, that nevertheless God keeps coming towards them and towards us. That's good news. That's a good news story. And so today then we look at a couple of texts who two big events in Jacob's life. And the first one is uh, Genesis chapter 28. And just to set up the story a little bit, we remember that uh, Jacob steals the blessing and birthright of his older brother Esau. And the story here is picking up particularly on the blessing where uh, Jacob dresses up as Esau because Isaac uh, has poor sight, and he pretends to be his older brother, and then his father blesses him, blesses Jacob as the firstborn. He doesn't know that. And he barely gets out the door, the scripture says, and then Esau comes, his older brother, and he asks for the blessing, and his father says, well, I've, I've, already, I've already blessed the other person, your other brother. And of course, Esau is very, very upset about this, so much so that he is planning on killing his brother as soon as his older father dies. He isn't well. And so that's, that's the tension that's going on in this family. It's one dysfunctional family. You might be thinking, well, hey, I come from a very dysfunctional family. Well, Jacob has got one man that's over the top, and he's a big part of the problem. So anyway, his mom tells him that you better go away for a while, and so he goes. He leaves by himself, and he's told to go to uh, 
his father's family in the north, so he starts traveling back north uh, from Beersheba up to the north to Aaron, um, so that he might uh, find a wife and, and kind of start over, get away from his brother until his brother's anger uh, starts going down and, you know, they can be joined up. That's at least the hope. Maybe in the future the relationship can be restored. So Jacob is fleeing. He's upset and he's scared. He's afraid. That's the context of what's going on. And then we're told in Genesis 28 that he has a dream. And you know the story well. He, he has this dream of sleeping out in the open, out in the rural area, and he dreams of a stairway that reaches from heaven to earth, and angels are descending and ascending between the earth and heaven. And then not only that, we are told that the Lord appears in human form, very dramatic and unusual for sure, and the Lord gives to him a promise. And we'll just read that promise uh, here. And the Lord stood beside him and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the guide of Isaac. The land on which you lie I will give to you and your offspring. And your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth. And you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And all the families of the earth shall be blessed in you and your offspring. Know that I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. So it's an amazing promise that God says, I am with you, Jacob, and I will be with you during this sojourn, and ultimately I will bring you back to this land, and the promise will be fulfilled, indeed, even for us, and all the families of the earth will be blessed through this relationship that we are developing. And so that, that's an incredible prophecy and prophetic word from the Lord to Jacob. And remember, Jacob doesn't even know the Lord in relationship at this point. Well, as the story ends, this dream, this event here, we're told that Jacob wakes up and he makes the statement that, wow, the Lord was in this place and I did not even know it. It's a great statement. The Lord was in this place, in this time, in this crisis, and I did not even know it. And then he decides to build a monument to the Lord, and he does so, and he calls that place Bethel. And this Bethel house of God becomes a very important place in the journeys of the Old Testament people right up to the time of Christ. Bethel was known, Jacob's well. The Lord was in this place and I did not know it. You are not alone. I am with you. That's the story of this first piece. Yet Jacob does not know God. And so there's real encouragement here because God is a God who comes towards us, we've been saying. And he comes towards us even in these down times, even in these crisis times that we have right now, a pandemic, and we don't really know our way through it, and countries around the world are having major problems. We think of India, we think of Brazil. Real crisis situation, hospitals running out of oxygen. It's a terrible time. Here in Ontario, we are locked down. 
But even in the crisis moment, God is with us and he's telling us that we are not alone, that he is with us. And he's with us even in these hard times when we make bad choices. Even then, God is a patient and merciful God. That is the story. And he's with us in this time and place even when we did not know it. Even when we feel we are on our own. Even when we feel we may have totally blown it. God is in this place. And I did not know it. That's the first event we're looking at, Genesis chapter 28. Fleeing from Esau, this momentous event of the stairway to heaven, that story. Then we go to the next story, Genesis chapter 32. And we fast forward 20 years, 20 years between these two events. And we're told, if you read those chapters, that Jacob makes his way to the north. He ends up visiting and joining with the family of Laban, and there are two daughters, and he marries one and then another. You can get the details of the story. Laban is also a trickster, and he tricks Jacob. And so he marries Leah, the older daughter, then he marries Rebekah, the younger daughter. He's there 20 years, working for Laban to pay off the price of having these two women, two daughters, as his brides. Twenty years. As the story goes, eventually he realizes he needs to go back to his homeland, back to Beersheba and beyond. And so he determines to do that. But as he's about to do that, he receives note or notice that his older brother Esau is coming north, and he's coming with 400 men. 400, small army. Jacob is completely freaked out about this. And he thinks his brother is coming to to kill him. And so there's no way he can flee, so what he does instead is he starts sending gifts ahead of him to reach his brother to appease his anger does it in stages. And so he does that, sends everybody, including his family, ahead of him, and he has one last night in the area of where Laban is. He's he's left a day's journey. And so he has another encounter with God. And in this encounter, we, we find him in a very strange situation at night wrestling with some person. And so we're not told if it's a dream or if it's a, uh, something happening in real time, but, but he has this wrestling match, and it, it continues all night. And what we're told is that during this wrestling match, Genesis 32, that Jacob begins to realize that this person actually is God. God in human form. I am wrestling with God. And as he realizes this, He is wounded by God and his hip, his leg, so he becomes crippled. And then at the same time, when he realizes this, he hangs on and he he won't let go until he is blessed. So the details you you can read there. And so he receives a blessing from God. And this place is known as Penuel, which means the face of God. So we've heard of Bethel, 
we now hear of Penuel, where Jacob wrestles, wrestles with God and receives the blessing. And that encourages him because he's told that God will be with him and that things will work out. So he's going to return to the land and the promise will be fulfilled. So what does this story say? So 20 years have gone by. Well, 20 years is, is a long time, isn't it? And 20 years can also be 20 years of our relationship with God, or even 40 years in the wilderness, in the desert, in our spiritual desert. So what happens with our relationship with God over these years? And we can also feel and, and, and actually engage in a wrestling match with God, that we are also wrestling with God. And you may experience this in your own life as you think back the number of the last years, five years, 10, 15, 20 years. What is your relationship with God being like? And maybe, maybe you feel you have been wrestling and God wrestles with us. And so this story of Jacob, of a God who comes towards us, can speak to us in our own concerns, in our own issues, in our own wrestling. Wrestling from moving from the false self to the true self. Wrestling with our old issues and they keep coming up. And we wonder, does God understand it all? And, and we're told here that he does. He knows. He's with us through all that. He's wrestling with us, God's spirit with us and within us as we work these things through, moving from the false self to the true self. And part of the blessing that Jacob receives is that God gives him a new name. And the name is that of Israel. And so the name Israel means that you have pushed on, you have persevered, you have striven with God, you have fought with God in, in this positive way. You have persevered. And so it's from Jacob the trickster to Israel, the one who is in relationship with God. And so this, this moment becomes really the conversion moment, the real conversion moment, the moment of transformation for Jacob. He's no longer Jacob of old, but of Israel. And it becomes this new birth for him and also for the nation, becoming Israel. And so there's a transformation and there's a conversion in here in this place for Jacob to Israel. Interesting that in the New Testament, when John is speaking to the churches in Revelation, he reminds us that we are also given a new name. That in God, in Christ, we receive a stone, a white stone, and our new, our new name is written on that stone. It's a beautiful image. A stone for you, a stone for me, with our new name, meaning symbolically our new life in God, our new life in Christ change, a transformation. We fight with God, we wrestle with God, but God is with us and he gives us our new names. And are these names we take into eternal time, our new relationship with God and who he is. So a moment of conversion, a moment of transformation that's been taking place over time but comes to fruition in a special way in this moment. And it's interesting that for us, this transformation and conversion really takes place in Jesus. There's an interesting story in the first chapter of the Gospel of John. 
in John 151, where Jesus is coming and he is meeting Nathanael. And Jesus describes Nathanael for this first time as a man without guile. Interesting. A man who is not deceptive. A person who is not a trickster. A person who is not a liar. Jesus sees Nathanael and he says he is a person with no guile. And then he says to him, Nathanael, in their dynamic back and forth, that you will see, Nathanael, angels ascending and descending, and it will be upon the Son of Man, which is a reference to himself. So this statement in John 1.51 is a reference to back to Jacob, back to Israel. His event of seeing angels ascending and descending, Jesus says, you will see angels ascending and descending upon the Son of Man, who is a reference to himself. So it's, it's keen in on our dynamic with Jesus. That in Jesus, we have life. We have new life, even as Jacob received life in this new relationship with God and his change of name to Israel. God's goodness to us. God's mercy to us. So the first story of the stairway is one of grace, really, a story to Jacob. Grace, God's grace to him. And the next story, Genesis 32, is about change. It is about conversion. It's about transformation. And that double theme comes towards you and to me, a God who comes towards us, a God of grace, a God of mercy, a God of conversion, a God of transformation, that he wants to be in relationship with us. And we're reminded that this is the fundamental truth and reality in your life and my life. That's what it's all about. Our whole time here, 20 years, 40 years, 80 years, it doesn't matter. That chunk of time is about you and me coming to know God and to enter into this relationship of love and life that goes on beyond this grave in this time, into eternity. This is what our lives are about. Not all the time and effort we put into our, you know, into our careers and how much money we make, how much, you know, what I can have in terms of things and my comfort level. These are not the, the issues of real value and import. It's our relationship with God. Because we can have it all. And in those last hours of our lives, we're, we're not thinking, oh, you know, like, oh, I have all this stuff. No, man, your life is coming to an end. And are we ready to meet our maker, if you like, creature to creator? Am I ready to step through this new phase and carry on in my relationship with God? So it's these fundamental truths, these fundamental questions that we need to be wrestling with. All through our day, there's something more important than your career and your money, and ultimately even more than your family. And I know we all love our family. Sure, we, we, that's, that's basic. But ultimately, we are to know God, and so are the members of our family. That, those are the most important steps. Creature to creator. And it's all about a God who loves us and knows us values us. And so I end with a statement here from um, Coretta once more. 
who says this. He asks us a question. So let's just sit with this for a moment. If the construction of things were up to you and you had designed the plan of creation, would you have given death the last word? Would you not have planned in such a way that you could carry on beyond earthly things on beyond death? Then he asks, is God less inventive than we are? No, he answers. We rest assured. Love will continue after death. Indeed, it will be greater. Why? Because love is the aim of existence. It just doesn't make sense that God would create this entire universe and for all of our hopes and aspirations and relationships simply to end when your days come to the end. That's the end of your story. Gone. Computer's off. That's it. Coretto's saying, no, doesn't it make sense that if we could envision a future that carries on and would be happier and more fulfilled, that we will be with those who we loved before and we will move forth in a, in a relationship of abundance with our world, with our God, with those we know, if we can think of that, wouldn't God think of that? And wouldn't love really remain the basis of existence? That's what Coretto asks. And you know what? I think he's exactly right. God comes towards you and to me for a reason and for a purpose. And that's that we might enter into this relationship of love and then start being loved to others. Where there is no love, put love, and you will find love, John of the Cross. That's what we're invited to do as individuals, as families, as community of faiths, our community, to be this place of love and to draw people into love even as a magnet draws people in. And so that people start realizing their significance. It's like, like trees you know, that are growing and, and inside those trees if you tap them, you tap their energy and starts flowing the syrup from, from within. And so we are able to do that also. Tap people so that their love might be expressed, not only now, but in the future. God is a God of mercy. God is a God of grace. God is a God of change, transformation, conversion. This is all the part of the story of Jacob. And so I pray that we might have open hearts, receptive lives, that we might receive God's Spirit into our world, our personal world, to our sphere of influence, and then be that to others. God coming towards us, even in our pain, even in our hurt, our reality right now. God coming to you, to me. And I give you these words. In Jesus' name, amen.